Hey everybody, how are you? Welcome back to the show. It's the How to Sleep Podcast. Mike Schaefer here, actually coming to you from a Monday today. Had some personal stuff, um, fun personal stuff going on yesterday that uh, that led to a, a recording a day late. Um, you know, with the holiday season and. And being off from work and and doing some travel, um, things were, the schedule was thrown off just a little bit. Not too much, but just a little bit. But we're going to work on getting back on track uh, starting starting next week. But it's a Monday. We're only uh, a day off. So hope you're doing well. If uh, if you're new to the show, thanks for coming by. Um, Hope this is helpful. The the podcast designed to, uh, to read manuals. And hope you fall asleep while listening. So, and maybe learn a thing or two as well as we've been progressing through, or, uh, or maybe even, um, you know, reflect, uh, you know, get nostalgic, reminisce on old, old games and, uh, uh, you know, I guess, uh, older, uh, you know, you know, grandfather clocks is the first uh, episode, or no, actually, the American Standard Toilet's the first episode. So I guess if you ever uh, have memories of toilet manuals, there's some reflection there. But either way, thanks for coming. Uh, before we get into um, two um, articles, recipes, articles, um, little combo, most most of them. Recipes you find online these days aren't just the recipe. There's a little preamble and, and some colorful language to uh, to enhance the recipe. And, of course, um, pictures that go along with it. You can't see those here, but you can by clicking into the show notes and, and following along. But um, before we do that, um, reminders, as always, social media. Follow the show. How to Sleep Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and honestly, podcast at gmail if you want to communicate that way with manuals that you want to be read or feedback on the show. Either way, appreciate you all listening, coming by. Um, hope you've had a great holiday season thus far and had a little bit of time to to relax and step back and reflect on this long and crazy year that we've had that's coming to a close 2021 or 2020 out 2021 coming in so if you end up listening to this later uh in the new year happy new year if before hope you have a wonderful new year new year's eve so i was with my family um for the holidays and we had a prime rib and and, uh, you know, I've had quite a few over the years, and it's just, it's a staple um, for so many families. Um, if you don't eat it, um, uh, you know, hopefully it still interests you, but, uh, or gives you an idea, inspires you to, to cook one. But we had one with the family, it was delicious, and another one uh, on Christmas Day. Um, and so I figured, why not read a, a good recipe? And then the second, the second, article I read the second recipe for molasses cookies whoo I uh they're my favorite and I just have not had them in years and uh, I'm gonna have them soon 
friend made them for me and um with frosting with frosting you'll see in the article there's some some ways to go next level with the the ginger molasses cookies that's one of them um and uh, so i figured why not read the the recipe and some information about one of my favorite cookies uh, ginger molasses so this is this is going to be a fun one not nearly as long as that uh marathon zelda manual uh, which i beat the game by the way um after years of not playing it years and years of not playing it i beat it the other day actually with some free time during break um but this episode will be um with a little bit of this rambling still quite a bit shorter but all the same i hope you enjoy it i hope you have a great and restful break if you're on one or um and get some great sleep so let's get started shall we the prime rib recipe is at the website i found it at simplyrecipes.com i've had some recipes from i've just used some recipes from this website in the past um, so I like this. I checked a few out, um, a few recipes out, and I like this one. So um, simplyrecipes.com, link uh, is there in the show notes. Uh, Elise Bauer posted this on Christmas Day, this Christmas Day, Prime Rib. Um, that's nearly five-star reviews, quite a few comments. Um, so let's share. And again, like I said, if you want to see the pictures and if you want to get hungry, by all means, check it out. There's also some videos, a how-to video on here. So super helpful, even if you listen along and click in later to, to make this. I do recommend that. So Elise Bauer, um, primary recipe, how to cook to perfection, a standing rib beef roast, uh, step-by-step instructions and photos, uh, perfect for Christmas and the holiday season. Or any friend gathering, friend and family, in my opinion. All right, let's get into it. Prime rib claims center stage during holiday season for a very good reason. It is the king of beef cuts. It's called a standing rib roast because to cook it, you position the roast majestically on its rib bones in the roasting pan. Beautifully marbled with fat, this roast is rich juicy and tender a feast for the eyes and the belly it's also very easy to cook you just start it in the oven at a high temperature to get good browning on the outside of the roast and then cook it at a lower temperature to make sure the meat in the center doesn't get overcooked and again there's a how-to video for those visual learners for those listening let's keep going There's usually something for everyone with this roast. The ends are well done for those who can't tolerate pink. The center should be a vibrant rare for those of us who must have our beef rare. A full rack of prime beef is seven ribs, which will easily serve 14 to 16 people or more. A full rack will not fit in my oven, um, so when I'm feeding a crowd, I cut the roast in half, three ribs on one roast and four ribs on the other, and cook them in separate ovens. As for estimating how big a roast you'll need, the butchers I've talked to say to estimate two people for every rib. In my experience, that's a lot of meat. Editors know I agree. Um, 
For the roasts we get, um, I should clarify, I'm not the editor. I should say podcasters, no. <laughs> Continuing on. Um, for the roast we get, and given that we are serving a lot of food in addition to the roast, three people per rib is fine. If you want to err on the generous side, with plenty of leftovers, aim for two people per rib. Note that just because you are ordering a prime rib, it doesn't mean that you are getting USDA prime. Most prime ribs we get from market are actually USDA choice quality. Um, if you want USDA prime prime rib, which has more fat marbling throughout the meat and which could easily cost 50% more per pound, you will likely need to special order it from your butcher. And again, Side note for me, I think it's always important just to have a conversation with your butcher too and explain, you know, what type of event you're hosting, how many people, things like that. The butcher, butchers are, are butchers for a reason. They, they know their, their cuts and their meat. And uh, if you don't um, know, know your butcher, have a conversation, get to know him or her. Okay, so here's the prime rib recipe. So prep time is five minutes, although I'm sure you could spend a bit more on that, but it doesn't really require too much time. Um, cook time, 11 to 12 minutes per pound for rare and 13 to 15 minutes per pound for medium rare. Um, this yields an estimate uh, two to three people serve per rib. Older cookbooks will sometimes instruct you to remove excess fat from the roast. Excess fat is any fat more than an inch thick on the roast. Fat is what you need to give the roast flavor and to make it juicy and tender. Prime rib is expensive and you are, you are paying good money for that fat, so leave it in. Your butcher should have removed any excess fat. The most important piece of advice I can give you regarding cooking a prime rib roast is to use a good meat thermometer. Um, I recommend uh, this Chef Alarm by Thermoworks um, with a remote thermometer. You can tell exactly what the temperature of the meat is without having to open the oven door. Yes, very handy, very convenient. Also recommend that. So the ingredients, one standing rib roast, three to seven ribs, estimate serving two to three people per rib, bones cut away from the roast and tied back to the roast with kitchen string. Ask your butcher to prepare the roast this way. Salt, freshly ground black pepper. Then you'll special equipment, digital thermometer, large roasting pan. Um, I'll add when, when I make a rib roast, um, also use garlic and some other seasonings. Nothing, nothing too much. Um, I won't get into that here. This is her recipe, but, uh, I think it's, um, you know, do, you know, do what, what you like as well, what ingredients you like too. Um, so method step when we have one through steps one through nine. So step one, salt roast and let sit at room temp. Remove the beef roast from the refrigerator three hours before you start to cook it. Sprinkle it with salt all over and let it sit loosely wrapped in the butcher paper. Roasts should be brought close to room temperature before they go into the oven to ensure more even cooking. Number two, tie roast with kitchen string. If your butcher hasn't already done so, cut the bones away from the roast and tie them back onto the roast with kitchen string. This will make it much easier to carve the roast. 
while still allowing you to stand the roast on the rib bones while cooking. Step 3. Preheat oven, season roast. Preheat your oven to 500 degrees Fahrenheit or the highest temp your oven reaches less than 500 degrees. Pat the roast dry with paper towels. Pre-salting should have made the roast release some moisture. And sprinkle the roast all over with salt and pepper. Step 4. Place the roast fat side up and rib bones down in a roasting pan. Insert a meat thermometer, oven proof, into the thickest part of the roast, making sure that the thermometer isn't touching a bone. Step 5. Brown roast at high temperature. Brown the roast at 500 degrees Fahrenheit temperature in the oven for 15 minutes. Step 6. Lower oven temp to finish roasting. Reduce the oven temperature to 325 degrees Fahrenheit. To figure out the total cooking time, allow about 11 to 12 minutes per pound for rare and 13 to 15 minutes per pound for medium rare. The actual cooking time will depend on the shape of the roast, how chilled your roast still is when it goes into the oven, and your particular oven. A flatter roast will cook more quickly than a thicker one. A chilled roast will take more time than one closer to room temp. There are so many variables involved that affect cooking time. This is why you should use a meat thermometer. A prime rib roast is too expensive to wing it. Error on the rare side, you can always put the roast back in the oven to cook it more if it is too rare for your taste. Roast in oven until thermometer registers 115 degrees Fahrenheit for rare or 120 to 130 degrees Fahrenheit for medium. The internal, internal temperature of the roast will continue to rise after you take the roast out of the oven. Check the temperature of the roast using a meat thermometer an hour before you expect the roast to be done. For example, with a 10 pound roast, you would expect two hours of total cooking time for rare, 15 minutes at 500 degrees and one and three quarters hours at 325 degrees. In this case, check after one hour, 15 minutes of total cooking time or one hour after you lowered the oven temp to 325 degrees. A benefit of using a remote thermometer is that you don't have to keep checking the roast. You'll be able to see exactly what the temperature is by looking at the thermometer outside of the oven. If the roast is cooking too quickly at this point, lower the oven temperature to 200 degrees Fahrenheit. Step 7. Let the roast rest. Once the roast has reached the temperature you want, remove it from the oven and place it on a carving board. Cover it with foil and let it rest for 15 to 30 minutes before carving. The internal temperature of the roast will continue to rise while the roast is resting. Step 8. Cut away strings, remove bones, slice roast. Cut away the strings that were used to hold the roast to the rack of rib bones. Remove the bones. You can save them to make stock for soup if you want. Then, using a sharp carving knife, slice meat across the grain for serving, making the slices about a half inch to three quarters inch thick. And nine, make the gravy. To make the gravy, remove the roast from the pan, remove excess fat, leaving a quarter cup of fat plus the browned drippings and meat juices in the roasting pan. Place the roasting pan on the stove top on medium-high heat. Use a metal spatula to scrape up drippings that might be sticking to the pan. 
When the fat is bubbly, sprinkle a quarter cup of flour over the fat and drippings in the pan. Stir with a wire whisk to incorporate the flour into the fat. Let the flour brown, more flavor that way, and you don't have the taste of raw flour in your gravy. Slowly add three to four cups of water, milk, stock, or beer to the gravy. Um, continue to cook slowly and whisk constantly, breaking up any flour clumps. The gravy will simmer and thicken, resulting in about two cups of gravy. If you want less gravy, start with less fat and flour, then add less liquid. Season the gravy with salt and pepper and herbs to taste. And there's a link there also on how to make gravy. Um, I think with number nine, gravy, if you want more gravy, which a lot of people do, it's it's more the liquid. You can add, um, if you don't have enough drippings, I mean, you could blend it with an au jus and you can, you know, use some of that seasoning and add more liquid to um, two cups of gravy and isn't going to go too far. Um, a lot of people love horseradish with their prime rib as well, which I know I do. Um, if you're making a little diced up, maybe some sliders the next day, having some horseradish uh, on those is going to be excellent. Um, or, yeah, just with the rib itself. So, very good. And then we have a couple of, uh, couple of additional items at the bottom. Um, before I get to those also... Um, if you're like me, you know, it, it's it's like getting a steak out of the prime rib. And I don't eat the steak rare. I, I, I like for medium, um, but I can do a medium rare prime rib for sure. But I also love cutting off a piece, um, a rare piece from the middle and searing it in a skillet and getting that, you know, how I like my steak cook. So um, there's a variety of ways to do it, but you do want to default to cooking it closer to, to rare for those who like it that way. You can always cook it more. And I love searing it in the skillet. So um, we had a, a footnote from earlier when she was talking about USDA grading for meat. And she says, uh, according to Daryl Corti of the Sacramento Specialty Market Corti Brothers, um, irrespective of the USDA beef grading system, prime rib has always referred to that particular cut of beef, a cut which was popularized by restaurants in the 20s and 30s. Um, using quality or prime beef. Regardless of the USDA grading system, prime beef has historically referred to quality beef that is raised for consumption with good fat marbling, white fat, and bright red meat, as opposed to tough or lean beef from an ox raised for work. With the current USDA grading system, prime is the label given to the highest grade and choice the next highest. Both are high quality grades. Because of high cost and fewer sources over the past decade or two, USDA prime grade prime rib has been replaced by most markets with USDA choice grade prime rib roast. A USDA choice grade standing rib roast has become what most people buy when they buy prime rib in America. And what's the difference between USDA prime and USDA choice? Um, basically, more fat marbling throughout the meat. As you can tell from the following photos in the link in the show notes, um, prime grade has much more fat marbling throughout the meat than the choice grade. So we have four pictures, two for each one, choice grade standing rib roast, and then USDA prime grade standing rib roast. And you can you can see the difference in the fat um, in the pictures if you want to check that out. So, um, Or if you want to, 
make a prime rib roast. Maybe you already have. Um, if you haven't, you can get one in time for the new year and and cook that for yourself. And and quite frankly, um, even if it's a smaller group of people, just a couple, you know, you can get a small small roast. It doesn't have to be that big, and you can still enjoy it um, with however many people you're cooking for. Um, well, thank you, Elise Bauer, um, the founder of Simply Recipes, launched in 2003. Her bio's there um, at the bottom of the link, so check that out. Very cool. Um, all sorts of different ways to, to cook the, the roast, too. So I think you can try this out. I know I um, once it's ready, I like to, to just um, sprinkle some olive oil on, uh, you know, drizzle some olive oil on the top as well um, of the meat. So great recipe. Thank you, Elise. After you have your prime rib roast and whatever sides are going along with it, you're going to want some dessert. And what dessert is better than chewy ginger molasses cookies? Mm. <laughs> um, and maybe these aren't your thing. Maybe they are definitely your thing. And maybe you don't even know they are your uh, thing yet. But either way, they are mine. And I think this is a, a fun recipe. And, and quite frankly, if you haven't made them, it's a little, might, might be a little bit different. Um, than cookies you like and also quite frankly i am i don't know about you but i am a chewy cookie fan they don't need to all be chewy but i, I vastly prefer a chewy cookie and these cookies um they need to be um and that's that's a big part of them so we're going to share chewy uh, chewy ginger molasses cookies some information and the article and I, I went back to um, gimmesomeoven.com. Um, Allie runs this this blog, this site, um, and you may remember her her homemade apple cider recipe. Um, and maybe even made it yourself. Um, so I'm going back here because I, I like I like the work she does, like the recipes. Um, not really a, promoting, just more so. Um, enjoy it. So I wanted to read it. I thought it was a, a good one to share. So from Give Me Some Oven, Chewy Ginger Molasses Cookies. These chewy ginger molasses cookies are easy to make, super soft and chewy, and irresistibly, irresistibly delicious. Again, with any recipe, even after listening, if you go back, um, look at the photos, go to the link. Um, adds to the experience for sure. It's like an illustrated book, but it's a blog. Um, so it seems a bold move to declare an all-time favorite cookie, but after having been on Team Molasses for going on over three decades now and already whipped up my third batch of molasses dough in a month, I've got to say that I don't foresee any allegiance shifts happening soon. So with that said, allow me to introduce you to my all-time favorite cookies, the most delicious, Soft, chewy, gingery, life-changing molasses cookies. Heart, heart, heart. My love for these molasses cookies is entirely thanks to my mom, who baked fresh batches of cookies for our family pretty much every week when we were growing up. Granted, she was always a bit mystified that her oldest daughter, hi mom, never inherited her obsession with all kinds of chocolate cookies, which will forever and always be her all-time faves. 
but molasses cookies were always a compromise we could both agree on. We both love these cookies. This time of year, they are still the first recipe to which I always turn for holiday cookie baking, and this year in particular, they've been extra fun to share with all of our European friends who, as it turns out, maybe love them even more than we do. Every time that we have served them to our friends and our Spanish class, our neighbors, everyone goes crazy for them. Which means that we never come home with leftovers, which just means that we have to keep baking more, naturally. Which requires exactly zero twisting of my arm. More molasses cookies for all. Anyway, these cookies are clearly a hit, so as part of our week of cookies here on the blog, I thought I would bump this recipe back up to the top of the pile today for some non-chocolate cookie inspiration. I initially shared this recipe on the blog nine years ago, but that said, a number of you have reported over the years that your cookies have spread a bit more than you like, so I've been tinkering around with our family recipe this fall and have made a few small adjustments to the recipe below that should help them to stay nice and thick and chewy without compromising the flavor of the cookies at all. Although if your cookies do ever flatten out, I promise they'll still be delicious. So I hope that you enjoy them as much as we do. And if you decide to bake up a batch, I'd love to hear how they go. Enjoy, everyone. So there's a chewy ginger molasses cookies recipe. There's a one minute video here for the visual learners. Here's the ginger or chewy ginger molasses cookies ingredients. To make this chewy ginger molasses cookies recipe, you will need butter, completely softened to room temperature, not melted or else it will not cream properly with the sugars. Sugars. I use half granulated white sugar, half packed brown sugar, plus extra sugar for rolling the dough balls. Um, molasses. I typically opt for original versus dark on Sulfured molasses, eggs and baking soda, two soft and chewy cookie staples, flour. I typically use all purpose flour for this classic recipe, but white whole wheat flour can work too. Spices. We will use a mixture of ground ginger, cinnamon, and cloves. Feel free to tinker around with the spice proportions to taste. And salt to bring out all of those delicious flavors. The pictures of the dough balls being rolled in sugar. Man. Yum. How to make molasses cookies. To make these homemade molasses cookies, simply one, preheat oven. Heat oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Line a baking sheet with parchment paper or a silicone baking mat and set aside. Two, whisk together dry ingredients, flour, soda, brown ginger, cinnamon, cloves, and salt. Three, cream together butter and sugars. Using a separate mixing bowl, either with a stand mixer or hand mixer, cream together the softened butter and sugars on medium-high speed until the mixture is light and fluffy and a pale yellow color, about two minutes, scraping down the sides occasionally as needed. 4. Mix in the remaining wet and dry ingredients. Mix in the eggs one at a time and molasses and beat on medium-low speed until each is combined. Gradually add in the dry ingredient mixture and beat until it is evenly incorporated. 
5, chill the dough. Transfer the dough to an airtight container and refrigerate for at least 2 hours or until the dough is completely chilled. I know, the extra chilling time is substantial and very tempting to skip, but this particular dough, with all of its butter and molasses, really does need a thorough chilling to prevent the cookies from spreading. Worth the wait, I promise. 6. Roll the dough balls. Once the dough is chilled and firm, roll the dough into small balls, about 1 inch in diameter. Fill a separate small bowl with sugar, then roll each ball in the sugar until it is completely coated. Place dough balls on the prepared baking sheet. 7. Bake. Bake for about 8 to 10 minutes until the cookies begin to slightly crack on top. They will crack more while cooling. Remove from the oven and let cool for 4 to 5 minutes. Then transfer the cookies to wire racks to cool completely. 8. Serve. Serve warm and enjoy, or store in a sealed container for up to four days, or freeze for up to three months. Those are our cookies. Um, possible variations. Want to mix things up with your ginger cookies? Feel free to add in extra ginger. I also really love adding some chopped crystallized ginger to these cookies for added ginger flavor and crunch. That sounds pretty good. Also, uh, frost your cookies. A really light glaze is delicious atop these cookies. Or if you really want to go for it, cream cheese frosting is divine. Mmm. Amazing. So good. Um, she does have a list here. Uh, more favorite cookie recipes. So looking for more delicious cookie inspiration. Uh, feel free to check out our full collection of cookie recipes or any of these other favorite classic cookies. Uh, these all sound great. Chocolate chip, chocolate chocolate chip, or double chocolate, as they can call it as well. Um, chocolate crinkle cookies, peanut butter cookies, gingerbread cookies, no-bake cookies, also a personal favorite. Um, again, my my mom made, uh, I guess my mom, my dad made the, the molasses cookies now that I come to think about it. Um, my mom made the no-bake cookies. She was that. My dad was the, the molasses one. And then brown sugar cookies. So here we go. We'll go. We'll read through the. Um, we have the actual recipe here as well. Um, again, you know, 4.8 stars uh, out of 286 reviews. Nothing to slouch at. It seems like a great recipe. Recommend giving it a go. Our prep time is 15 minutes. Our cook time is 10 minutes. So only 25 total minutes, and you get 42 to 46 cookies. That's pretty good. Um, description, these cheesy or chewy, they're not cheesy. These chewy ginger molasses cookies are easy to make, super soft and chewy and ear resistibly delicious. Feel free to have this recipe if you would like a smaller batch. So the ingredients, um, one and a half cups unsalted butter, softened to room temperature, not melted, one cup granulated white sugar, one cup packed brown sugar, Half a cup of unsulfured molasses, two eggs, four and a half cups or 639 grams of all-purpose flour, four teaspoons baking soda, one tablespoon ground ginger, two teaspoons ground cinnamon, one teaspoon ground cloves, and one teaspoon salt. 
And here we have it. There are instructions. The how-to that we just read earlier are there again. This is all in a nice condensed area um, for you. Um, there's a couple notes here at the bottom. Got to read. Got to be thorough. We read everything. Um, well, the equipment, sheet pan, hand mixer, molasses, and, of course, all the other ingredients. Some notes. Recipe update. This recipe was updated in 2020 to correct the weight of flour and grams. Um, baking soda amount. This amount is correct. The recipe needs four teaspoons of baking soda to rise properly. Yum. 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 What do you guys think? That sounds great. Um, I'd love to hear if you make, uh, if you cook a prime rib, if you follow it up with molasses cookies, um, how it goes. So thank you to, to Allie and give me some oven for another wonderful, um, another wonderful article and recipe. Something tells me I'll probably be stumbling across her articles for a future food, um, episode as well. So, um, prime rib recipe from simply recipes.com and then chewy ginger molasses cookies from give me yourself some oven um two great uh great recipes so thanks thanks to them for sharing and and i hope you guys enjoyed so that's about all i have that's that's about it uh i hope you enjoyed this particular episode um uh if you look back uh there were Several holiday themed episodes. There were video game manuals. There's a throwback to Starry, um, a board game that I played um, with my family when I was home and and uh, forgot how much fun I had. We used to, we used to have Starry tournaments. Um, I don't know if I, I'm assuming I I talked about that in the episode. I'd have to go back and listen. But uh, such a fun game uh, to to play and and uh, and and for all ages for that matter. Played it with kids. Played it um, with adults as well. So I, I reposted that and put that one back to the top um, while I was out. So hopefully you can go back and listen to some some older episodes if you haven't listened to them, or you know just like uh, you know rewatching your favorite movies. We certainly did that around uh, uh, you know uh, whatever your favorite holiday movies are. You know all the different networks, AMC, Freeform, um, all of them are just running and rerunning the same set of of movies uh, over and over christmas story elf um national lampoon's christmas vacation what else did i see on there four christmases um, fred claus the santa claus movies um all of the claymation movies which are um my favorites for sure um whatever it is uh um just like uh, you can re-watch those maybe you can re-listen um to some of the old episodes i know for sure I go back and re-listen to episodes from some of my favorite podcasts. So there it is. Board games put up to the forefront, but also recipes, food um, to to listen and learn about and to cook too, hopefully. So with that, I think I'm going to stop rambling, let you get to sleep. Thanks for listening. Till next time, I will uh, talk to you all soon.